1: with another show from Poker Action Line and not in Poker Action Line studios as usual but uh, from our own homes. We are coming to you, uh, Big Dave and Joe and we'll bring Joe Costello uh, who is uh, producing the show. He'll bring him for a few thoughts a little later in the program but we want to start about talking about the world of poker and the things that are happening now. It is really uh, a surprising time and uh, two weeks ago we thought we might have to go months joe without poker uh it's going to be a lot quicker than that and i got a lot of information tonight to talk about how we're
2: going to try to resume the poker world well yeah i know you told me right before the start of the show that it's up in the tampa area um i'm amazed but but not surprised to be honest with you because uh I was having a conversation with, with somebody earlier this morning telling them that the quickest rooms would be the ones that there are no uh, slot machines in because poker is a much, is a much more um, important revenue uh, for them. So they're going to try to figure it out. I'm really curious to see how many people they're going to allow on the table and how they're going to approach you know, uh, social distancing and making sure that Things are as safe as possible.
1: Well, I have a lot of information on what Vegas plans to do and some of the things that other places are doing. Uh we can start right here in South Florida, which is a pretty amazing time. Magic City, who of course does have a casino and a poker room, are opening neither, but they opened on Friday with High Lie. Now they have no fans there, but they have started playing High Lie there. They are showing the feed, there is betting online and it's pretty crazy uh, to actually see highlight going on there, and I don't know
2: how they pulled it off, but somehow they did. Well, listen, you know, <laughs> social distancing amongst the players is going to be a lot easier to do. I don't know what their yearly requirement is, but you know, I, I'm I don't know. Have you been there when they ran it last year? I did. I did,
1: and it's changed quite a bit. What they've actually done is they've taken the area where the audience was before, and they put out a bunch of uh, little couches for the players to sit on. The players are not allowed back into the locker room to congregate or hang out, so they have all their stuff out there in what is the audience area. Now, the cameras don't shoot that area. They just shoot the court, but uh, the players hang out there. They're only allowed four players on the court at a time. Uh, The scoring goes on uh, behind the back wall, and uh, everything is normal as far as that goes. But it is crazy to actually see this going on and they have had successful performances over the weekend, three of them, and they will continue now. So I don't think it has really any direct result on us, but it's kind of funny that the point that you made is, is really interesting uh, because, you know, I don't think that we would open Highlight without the casino being able to open and uh, they are really intent on making this Highlight Aspect of their business successful with a YouTube channel and a lot of things. So they wanted to get started. And the other thing that complicates it is they have uh, they also own this new idea of a of a front opening downtown Miami Edgewater area just off uh, 3030 Biscayne Boulevard. And they need to fulfill dates in order to operate their poker room there. So they are playing for the next two months under the edgewater dates at Magic City, and uh, that will move things forward as far as they go. Now I know a lot of people out there don't know anything about High Live, but the point is is they have alternative uh, factors driving their, thing, their idea to make this
2: a success. And And people don't, you know forget that the uh, fiscal year for the state of Florida ends uh on, you know, the last June 30th. day 30th. June thirtieth. Yeah. So if you have mandatory performance dates that you have to, you know, meet to for the for the minimum or, or for whatever the state requirement is <laughs> You've got less than two months from today. So well, that was That's the plan for them. Yeah, that they got started there.
1: That was the plan: May and June run the dates for Edgewater. Then on July 1st would start their Magic City uh, season, and uh, they're moving forward to that. I have no intent, no idea when Dania will play Highline again. When they'll open their casino and. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how driven they are to actually do that because uh, it's going to be hard to, to open the business and have just a handful of people in there, which is probably the way it's going to be in a lot of places in the beginning.
2: Yeah, Dave, but still, I mean, even if they allow us at 25% capacity, the casino should break, you know, should at least cover expenses, uh, you know, put people back on the payroll and so on. If they allow us eventually, within a short period of time, to go to 50% revenue I've been told that at fifty percent of capacity we're gonna make money.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh you know, certainly it's not a license to print money as we always joke about on the show, but at least gets things back to some sense of normalcy.
2: Yeah, which is what we need to do and I still you know, I still hold to my guns that local poker rooms, uh like Dania, ours, uh, you know Hard Rock. Uh, now I don't know about the Hard Rock is going to try to find a way because it, it, it's it's a it's a significant revenue stream for them, not you know huge compared to the machines, but um, you know once again if you're limited to the amount of you know guests that are allowed in your facility, and you have slot machines, I can almost guarantee you the slot machine guests will have preference over any card rooms. We're talking about a poker room, you know, that's in Tampa. Um, You know, I'm I'm very curious, to be honest with you, to see what Jacksonville and uh, what the Palm Beach Kennel Clubs do, Melbourne, Daytona, you know, they all have, you know, strong revenues uh, from poker and they don't have the slot machine revenue. So they will try to come up with, with some way, some manner of, trying to see if they can get this back up there. So I'm very curious to hear how they intend to uh, distance their players.
1: Well, I want to talk about these first two new rooms uh, opening, one here in the United States, one in Europe, that are set to open on Monday. But let me start off by saying that tomorrow uh, is going to be the first poker room opening in the U.S. uh, on Wednesday, May the 6th, in Michigan, which is an Indian casino. A Michigan Island Resort that is an Indian resort. It's a tribal casino owned by the Hannaville Indian Community, and it's in the upper peninsula of Michigan. So it's an area that's fairly remote. (laughs) Social distancing is a normal way of life there, and they're going to actually open this tomorrow. They've been closed since March 21st, but that was really a voluntary decision for them, and they believe the area is safe. Uh, It's in Harris, Michigan, which is about 90 miles north of Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the Upper Peninsula. And they've only had five confirmed cases in the area. So they're going to open tomorrow, and uh, they'll try a few things here. Uh, There's really not a lot of uh, information on how exactly they're going to do it, but uh, they're going to have slots open as well. Uh, Food service is prepared to go. They're going to open bars in the bingo area, and they have a golf course which will reopen on Friday. So it's probably a good place to start things. They're going to uh, work very hard on the sanitizing and wiping down the machines, Um, and uh, they're going to take people's temperature when they walk in. They have a few things that they've set up, but we'll find out more about it after they open. So uh, uh, that's the very first poker action in the world, really, Uh, Since the closures.
2: (laughs) I I heard how they're going to wipe down machines and how they're going to take people's temperature. I still haven't heard anything about how they're going to run a poker game.
1: Well, they said eventually they'll put these plexiglass barriers in. And I want to talk about that a little bit later because there's actually a Facebook video uh, that was shot at uh, the Margaritaville Resort. I believe in uh, Louisiana. But uh, they showed new ways to have a poker game with these uh, glass uh, sneeze guards basically in front of every table spot and then plexiglass in between the players so that there's not a lot of air circulating directly from another player. Uh, They showed a blackjack table. They didn't even have cards. They had actually had them into a little camera screen on the window of the uh, plexiglass where you could actually see your hand uh, without anybody else seeing it. So uh, there's going to be some new technological things. And I want to get into that later when we talk about Vegas and the stuff that they put out uh, over the last week and how they're going to plan to reopen down the road.
2: Well, you know, I'm very interested to see if the poker community takes to that uh, down here. And so, so they're looking to run a full table with those. I've seen that picture. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it looks like it looks like you're in a cramped bank area with uh, plexiglass on each side of you, a small opening for you to bet, make your bets with your chips and, and, and push your cards forward. Exactly, uh, like,
1: like you're at a bank window.
2: Ex- yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, I don't know if it's just my age, you know, being so old now at 60 and, and saying this is just a hell of a lot to put up with um to, to to play poker and, and to ensure that it's, that that we're supposedly we're gonna be safe. I i yeah. I gotta see it work before well, I leave i I got a hard thing.
1: time thinking uh, I'm gonna head right to the poker room since uh when things are healthy and uh there's none of this around, I wasn't in there that much anyway. But uh let's talk about the US rooms though because Monday is uh, May the eleventh and that will be the first room in the US, the first major room uh, public room that is going to be opening, and it's Derby Lane in St. Petersburg on the west coast of Florida, uh, set to resume operations after for the first time since closing up on March 20th. Now, they have 52 tables in that room, but uh, that means they'll open only 13 of the 52 tables. They're opening at 10 o'clock a.m. local time and closing at 10 p.m. Uh they're going to be a maximum of six players at each table, and they are going to work on some uh, plexiglass barriers and, of course, uh, social distance markings on the floor. So there are some of the, re- uh, the precautions that they're going to undergo. They put a lot of thought into it, and we'll see what happens. I was kind of surprised that it was happening so soon. But, uh, you know, right across the state of Florida, we're going to get a good feel on how many people uh, are going to jump right back into the room and how many people uh, are going to stay happy two to three weeks
2: from now. And we're going to find out now because we mentioned in last week's show, Dave, about shorthand, shorthanded play. And that's what you're going to get, six-handed play here. And, you know, it's it's. I love playing six-handed, you know, um, I really enjoy it, but as a manager, Dave, I can tell you right now, very few people—at least that's been my experience down here in South Florida—enjoy playing that. Mm. Um, you know, they prefer the the, the the full tables to to get more action into the game. Um, being that you're you're taking jackpot money out of it, you know, there's less money you know for for, for the winners there, so. I'm going to be very curious to see. I I, I don't know about you. I believe they'll probably get a decent crowd the first day and depending how smooth it runs, um, you know, the rest of the state may be able to follow suit.
1: And yeah, let's, let's, see hope it's doing let's hope it's successful. Uh, uh, tell me at 10 a.m. or let's say even 9 a.m. There's not going to be a huge line of people waiting to get in.
2: There will be because everybody's going crazy. I mean, I don't know how much how the, you know, the phase one restrictions, uh, you know, the the picking up of, of the restrictions in the phase one, you know, how social the people have been going out to the restaurants and getting out a little bit. But we do know that poker players now, the, the crazy part is going to be how their family acts on this. You got wife and kids at home. You know, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure no matter how bad you want to play poker. Uh, you have to definitely think about that, and if you don't, I'm sure you better have will.
1: Well, all patrons are required to wear wear masks and pro- protective gloves, which I don't see enforced in a lot of places, but uh, they are enforcing that there. The interesting thing is, they're actually on uh, this Friday night, May the eighth. They're actually going to resume greyhound racing so they're going to allow people into the outer portion uh right by the uh the stretch run of the track nobody's going to be allowed inside the dog track building they're going to keep that uh, cordoned off but uh, people are actually going to go, go and watch the races uh, right down near the track
2: are they going to be able to bet there Dave?
1: Yeah, then they are going to be able to bet uh the funny thing also is uh there is a note in here that poker dealers Will be excused from wearing those gloves. And if you were wondering how they're going to deal with gloves on, I don't. They don't have to.
2: And if you wear those gloves for any extended amount of time, the sweat that you get on your hands, yeah, the stickiness that you get, boy, I'm. I'm if they're going to force the players to to wear those, I don't know. I I guess, like I said, maybe it's just me, Dave, I'm getting too old for <laughs> for all this nonsense. Just to play cards, you know. Yeah,
1: we're all getting Um, too old. Uh, The other thing is uh, they say that if a mask is needed for patrons, one will be provided. But anyone exhibiting systems will be evaluated by a manager and possibly removed. They will be taking temperatures when people are allowed onto the property, and they must be wearing their mask and gloves. So that all starts on Monday, May the 11th, at the Derby Lane Poker Room. The other resort that's opening is the King's Resort. Actually, three different properties owned by the King's Resort over in Czechoslovakia area. Uh, the big one in Rozvadov, where the World Series of Poker Europe is played. Also, uh, King's Casino Prague and the Admiral Casino in Razvodav. Uh Those have all been shut down since March the 13th, and they are also going to open on Monday. Um, with roulette and blackjack and slots available, poker cash games, but not tournaments for a while. And, uh, again, they're saying that uh, they have the highest level of uh, of uh, hygiene standards, and they're also saying uh, that they still hope to uh, have the World Series of Poker in Europe this year. They have 160 tables this year, although they haven't uh, said how many they're going to use on Monday.
2: I I don't know what to say to be honest with you Dave. I'm trying to be optimistic here and I'd love to see it all come back. I just um I think tournaments are going to have to take the year off. Yeah. To be honest with you, I just can't imagine somebody wanting to be, you know, in a room of hundreds if not thousands of people even if they do remove some of the tables. You're definitely looking at at least 500 to 700 people in some sort of conference room and I don't know. Just, I don't see that happening with all the all the safety precautions they want to put in place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's switch to Nevada, where the, the governor, Steve Sislak, has outlined a plan for their uh, economy to uh, continue operation again. And uh, they will have a phase one uh, that should be starting fairly soon. Uh, his stay at home order lasts until May 15th. But uh, they will get to their phase one, depending on what data looks like. But uh, the infections uh, in the, in the Nevada area reached a peak on April 24th. So they feel like there's been a decline and they can get the, this started soon. Uh, they are trying to use the contact tracing and all the other uh, uh, necessary uh, studies to find out what's happening. And that phase one will last between two to three weeks, but he wants he insists that he wants people to know that uh, casinos will not be opening during the beginning of phase one, but uh, they will look forward to getting the poker rooms open as soon as they can. Uh, casinos probably not until he says phase three or four, but uh, poker rooms possibly a little bit sooner. Uh, but the uh, the interesting thing about that, talking about the spacing at the tables, the one that they have talked about is that. Uh, Minimum standards are going to dictate four players per table in
2: Vegas.
0: <laughs> I don't know. How I, that's going to work. I, I
2: don't know how that's going to work. Here. Somebody, somebody needs to explain that one to me. How that's going to work for the players and for the casino?
1: The uh, Nevada Gaming Control Board uh, said that uh, there will be a limited amount of ceiling available. Four players at a poker table. Four players at a roulette table. Six players at a craps table and three per blackjack table. So those are the original starts. They say, uh, you know, even the six max uh, ring games in poker might be a ways down the road. And like you say, I don't don't really know how that's going to work.
2: I mean, you know, when you mentioned six at a craps table, it sucks to only have six people, but that'll work. How many was at a roulette table?
1: Four. Four.
2: Four, that'll work for the casino and for the players playing. Three at the blackjack table. Three at
1: the blackjack and three that'll, at poker.
2: That'll also work. I just don't see four at a poker table working. Yeah. I, it's just there's not not enough. You, know, you only get action with four players when you're playing in a tournament, and it, and everybody knows that there's a there's already a big payday no matter what whether you get eliminated next or not at the end of a tournament. But four handed poker. Yeah. I don't know. I, might, be, I don't sure, know if I've been sure. out of it for too long, but I don't see four-handed poker being a big thing anywhere in this country.
1: Uh, it says that the casinos have to submit a plan that outs- uh, outlines how their staff will comply with all the new regulations, and they must be plans must be submitted at least seven days before guests are allowed into the building. So the one thing that's a little bit different there, though, is that they're planning to allow casinos to operate at fifty percent capacity when they do open.
2: Yeah, well, uh, well, I've sat in Vegas,
1: that's now, Vegas, be a
2: big plus. But I like yeah. to see how they're going to get all those people in there and see what the airline says about how they're going to sit people down, Big Dave
1: yeah exactly so all this stuff is coming out the nevada gaming control board polish uh establishing these minimum standards for reopening and uh we'll see what happens with four max the norm but uh down the road on the show we'll be able to show some pictures of those tables that uh they they had put up on a video on youtube on the from the margaritaville resort in uh bosier city louisiana but uh you know again like you say To readjust to a whole new world of poker life, it's not going to be easy, especially for us who have been playing for years, uh, gotten used to a certain style. But, uh, you know, who knows if it's worth it to go and sit behind a bank window and uh, play poker against the guy next to you. Imagine they're
2: wearing a mask and they want to do all that trash talking that they do down here in South Florida. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be real fun.
1: Anyway, uh, let's take our first break on the show. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the things. Matt Savage has uh, published uh, an interview that he did uh, talking about how he thinks it's going to affect the world of tournaments. And we'll talk about some of that and uh, a few other things coming on. Uh, Poker Action Line is the show. You can always get the show on SoundCloud, on uh, Apple Podcasts. We invite you to uh, rate the show, write a review, uh, like us. Whatever you can do to help support the program is, is great for us, and uh, we do appreciate it. Of course, uh, you can always pick us up on the other places as well, uh, like the PokerFuse podcast page, the uh, Hold'em Radio Network, and uh, of course our own website, PokerActionLine.com, has some previous shows, and uh, iTunes as well. You can uh, check it out uh, as well. So all that stuff happening, uh, and we hope you'll watch the show every week. We've maintained a good uh, portion of our audience through this thing, and we're looking forward to having those who have uh, had a rough time uh, and start listening to shows again to pick us up on a weekly basis as usual. Poker Action Line coming to you every week in South Florida. We'll be back with more of the show when we return. Thanks for being with us today. We hope to stick around and listen to the entire show this afternoon.
0: This is Poker Action Line. Point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Yard County.
1: Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe. Coming to you from South Florida Poker Action Line once again and uh, Things are starting to happen, i I got to say. Uh, things uh slowly getting back to, uh, I don't want to say normal, but uh, at least we're starting to uh, get a little poker possibly happening. Um, I, I think I, kind of the way I feel about it is, you know, it, it's not my room. It's not going to be a place where I play regularly, so we'll let other people be the guinea pigs. But, Joe, you ran a room for a long time. Uh, and what were your thoughts about uh, putting something together not on this level, but uh, maybe after some sort of uh, reopening and how much work there is, it's not easy to put throw this stuff together in a, just a few days.
2: Well, Dave, you have no idea because we've never, I mean, we've had to close our poker room down, down due to, um, you know, hurricane here in South Florida. Right. And sometimes the rooms got destroyed, tables got destroyed, you know, but coming back from, from, you know, a disaster like that, it's more like opening up your room from beginning. You know, you're just, okay, hey, let's call the distributors. Let's get what we need here. Let's, you know, pull carpeting, do whatever, get the staff in there and get the room ready. This is nothing like that. <laughs> this, is, this is trying to come up with a, a safe, you know, pattern for your guests and your employees to work. Uh, making sure that you have the supplies that that are needed to make you know to make this feasible for everybody, um, you know. This, this, I hate to be this dramatic, but it does come sometimes to a life and death situation, which we we don't have that in poker unless somebody's pulling out a gun and thinking that you're cheating them or something. So
0: um,
2: it is different. I don't know. I would have to. Um, on the poker side, you would hope you'd have most of your customers' uh, phone numbers. Uh, I would personally try to give them a heads up as to what we were doing. Uh, you mentioned right before we went on break that you know the states are asking for you to come up with your plan and then take seven days, I guess, to make sure you can implement your plan. I would imagine that's why the state is waiting a seven-day period for that. Um, and that time frame... As a manager, I'd have some of my supervisors, myself, my assistant making phone calls, letting people know, giving them a heads up because, you know, you get to the casino, you're really happy. And then all of a sudden, if there are really strict restrictions, Dave, it kind of takes that air out of that that balloon real, really, really quick. So if you're giving them a a heads up, in my opinion, to let them know what's going to be expected of them and what they can expect of us. I think would, uh, would lend itself to a much smoother transition. Let me ask
1: you this. Uh, you've been out and around in, in uh, the Miami area. I live up in the northern Broward area. And I think there's a big difference between the two areas. But I wanted to see what you have felt. Uh, they've been opening some beaches and some parks. Uh, people want to go to the beach, uh, I think we almost have to protect people from themselves because once you just open the floodgates, people just get out there they don 't wear masks they 're sitting on top of each other almost and uh you know this could cause a major problem they don 't think about the ramifications of what happens if they don 't follow the social distancing and there 's a huge phase two or a re outbreak of some of these uh you know those these uh, virus symptoms so what have you seen in 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 uh, the Miami area about the anger? of people being told what to do and being uh, kept out of their regular social lives?
2: Well, the areas that I have frequented and I've been working with a friend of mine, but we're kind of isolated in this warehouse. Uh, Just speaking to people, I haven't, I've gotten mostly the same feedback from people who are saying, you know, we almost have to protect ourselves from these idiots who don't want to follow the social distancing guidelines, you know, we saw what they'd happened in South Beach at the, at South Point Park.
0: Yeah,
1: I had to close
2: uh, that already. Yeah. Listen, last week, you know, the, before they opened the parks down here, now the one park where my wife and I love to go and walk and you know do our walking exercise and everything else had been closed. It has since reopened, but you know, before it reopened, we were going to a school not too far from here called Joe Hall, and inside the school area there is like a park and we weren't allowed in there. So I remember the first day I used that as my walking point to walk around the whole school. You know, there were people inside there, even though there was tape clearly marking everywhere. Can't go in there. You know, it came down to where finally a county worker, she stopped her pickup truck, went in there. And I I had already made three or four laps around the school. And I'm watching a family of four with two little kids, the mother and father riding bicycles. No one's wearing a mask. They're inside the park. Other people... And the lady comes out and just stretches her arms out, like, going, you know, what the F are you guys doing over here, you know, to force them out? Well, sure enough, the next day, it was a Miami-Dade police officer who had to come over and do the same thing. And it's just blows my mind. You know, we, we, the guidelines, I don't know about you and Joe and, you know, and Gio. I'm sure all of us know what they are. We've seen it. We've seen it on TV. We've heard it on the radio, you know. How do these people not follow those rules? And, and I don't I don't know how to
1: And and the normal stuff that that people can do right now, like you say, walking in a park uh, with your significant other or your family or your children or whoever, uh, of course, you're allowed to be near each other. But, you know, there's a you got to draw the line somewhere and you got to you got to do what's smart. That's fortunate thing. Unfortunate thing is that people just absolutely do not think and they just do what they want to do. And then that hurts everybody
2: else. Listen, Dave, you know, uh, we have a lot of freedoms in this country. That's the group, you know, one of, the, one of the greatest things about our wonderful country here. A lot of mistakes. But with that, you know, some people think that allows them to do whatever they want, you know. And sometimes you have to let people know, listen, for the greater good, we're trying to prevent this. You know, the numbers that we're at now, you know, for, for the whole country is that, you know, it's a lot less than what they thought at the initial, you know, six weeks ago or so when, when, when they were when Dr. Fauci was putting numbers up there, about 200,000 deaths in the United States, we may still reach those numbers.
1: Yeah. It but, looks a little more, you know, more obvious now,
2: you know, but you know, we, we, we were at around 66,000, which is just a tragedy to have this, but I think we've slowed it down enough through the, the intelligence of most people following the guidelines for social distancing. Uh, one of the things was, I remember I I stopped by my pharmacy uh, to get some stuff and two people just walked in without masks and, and you know, people at the counter go, hey, hey, you, you. again, I don't know if it's just frustration, stupidity, <laughs> you know, I don't know, I don't know how to label this name. It's just, it's amazing, you know, it really is to me, we're given that choice and, you know. People don't want to follow it for whatever reason,
1: well, I was out taking a walk the other day and I walked in the public so I had my mask in my hand, and I didn't even think about it when I walked in the door, and someone pointed, "Hey, you know, get your mask on, and immediately put it on, you know' cause I know what the right thing is to do, but uh I was telling a story that I saw on the news here this morning that I don't even know where it was, but some guy was in a dollar store without his mask uh the clerk uh was uh stocking some shelves, and she said to him, "Sir, you need to have a mask on." He took a couple steps past her. Then he turned around and walked back and said, I'll use this as a mask. And he took the sleeve of her shirt and wiped it on his nose and mouth. I mean, that's the kind of stupidity we're seeing out there.
2: Yeah, that's, that's – that's. <laughs> hopefully they arrested – I would have called the police and had this asshole arrested, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You, you should have been. been.
2: It's
1: just, well, uh, we'll see. it's
2: just ridiculous.
1: We'll see what happens, but I'm seeing a lot of anger. I I'm actually working at a Publix uh you know, I had the casino uh, closed down and obviously the highlights shut down. So I lost my job there. Uh, you know, I'm still doing this program, but I was looking for something else to replace the the, the Dania business. And I got a job at a Publix down here in South Florida and uh, work bagging groceries. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like it's below me or anything, but it is a lot harder job than I thought it was going to be. But the the weird thing is that you see so many nice people and then there's a few idiots that, uh, you know, uh, someone said something to them about staying six feet apart. And he said, I heard the governor say you don't have to do that anymore. And he started cursing her out. It was it was sad. And then uh, not to mention the obsessive people because of the virus that don't want you don't want you to bag their groceries. So they push you out of the way and stuff like that. So I've had a few uh, bad incidents. And uh, I think that that
2: happens everywhere. Yeah, well now now put that in a poker room to see what Yeah, happens. absolutely.
1: With people angry and getting sucked out on.
2: <laughs> uh, listen, Dave. We're this is unfortunate that we're gonna have to live through uh until we find a vaccine for this, you know. Uh people what was it? Was it in Michigan that people or Minnesota where people marched on the state with automatic? That was Michigan, uh, yeah. That was Michigan. Oh Michigan, you know, so You know, this is if this goes on for an extended period of time, you're going to I believe we're going to see a lot more crazy stuff going on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's get to this article uh, that I read uh, about Matt Savage being interviewed and talking about the future of tournament poker. He said, you know, basically it's just way too far off to really kind of evaluate it right now. But that he's going to have to, they're going to have to uh, discuss with their partners, uh, the casino partners, and and how they want to do things. And of course. You know, they're in a lot of big cities, but they're in smaller cities as well. So some of it they'll be able to put together right away. Uh, they continue to show uh, the replays of a lot of the tournaments uh, on uh, the World Poker Tour. Ooh. And, and put, <laughs> I know that's not your favorite, but they do have some okay. of that stuff. People can check that. And they have Club WPT, the uh, online subscription game, where they uh, may put together some tournaments on there. But... Uh, there are some huge tournaments going on in online poker, and that might be the way we have to satisfy our, our tournament Absolutely. Jones for a while.
2: I, I think that's the only way we're going to be able to get it on. Uh, I know at America's Card Room, I've got emails stating that you know they've been doing uh, every Sunday a million dollar guarantee tournament. Yeah. You mentioned on the show on our show last week, Big Dave, that uh, that internet play had gone up over sixty percent you know from the quarantine time till last week's show um that's the way that's going to have to go i think and you know if i'm in vegas and i'm one of those you know the casinos out there that have that maybe that's a way to continue to keep interest in the poker room until you know things ease up and and you know we could get back to some sort of semblance of of, of normal so
1: I don't know if I, I don't really want to bash America's card room but I've been reading a lot of stuff on Twitter there's a lot of uh you know reputable players really good players that are complaining about the the software and how it uh dishes out the hands sometimes uh one guy tw- made a tweet that uh, uh there was a player that had uh you know t- uh middle pair of fours and, you know, called uh, a bunch of hands and end up winning, it seemed like, every time. There was another shot screenshot of a uh, flop on the table that had queen of spades, four of spades, queen of spades.
2: Well, I've been playing America's Card Room for a long time. I haven't seen anything like that. Really? Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything like that. Um, I did see it on poker stars back when they were still here in the country and when they first, you know, first few years, I remember I had to go back and look at the history of their hand because I had folded a card that came up on the flop. Yeah. And I said, wait a minute, how did that come up there? I know I folded that hand and I contacted them. They, they noticed, you know, they, they answered me back stating if they had some sort of glitches in there. Other people had complained about the same scenario. Um <clears throat> Being that I'm not a tech person, you're a lot more techie than I am. I would imagine these are things that can occur. And, if, and in poker, it's not like, you know, 52 cards. So if you keep repeating the same card from somebody's hand, people are going to, to scream very loud.
1: Yeah, I guess there are computer glitches everywhere, so I'm not going to hold it against them, and I have no personal knowledge of anything like that happening, but I have seen a lot of complaints of good players that have been forced to go online and play tournaments and that sort of thing and are not really thrilled with it, but we'll see what happens. But there's a lot of improvement going on out there in the uh, technological world, and uh, we'll see what happens, but... uh, Matt Savage said, uh, "You know, obviously, their relationship with their uh, rooms that they use on tour are—they're going to have to work very closely with them, and uh, you know, they'll have to see what happens as far as uh, what's happening in each area. So, uh, they are also uh, partnering up with Party Poker to do some stuff. Uh, the WPT Champions Cup is going to be an online event with them, and uh, we'll see what happens with uh, some of that stuff." Uh, one of the things that got put off on the WPT was the final tables that were going to be played at the HyperX Sports Arena, Esports Arena in the Luxor that were set uh, for the end of March. And those tournaments are simply on hold, so they just don't know exactly what's going to happen there. They said the one good thing is that all those players have been paid their sixth place money. But, of course, you know, it's life-changing money to win one of those uh, WPT events, get your name on the Champions Cup. So that's all out there. uh, And, uh, you know, they're just waiting to get cards back in the air and and get things going again.
2: Yeah, and, um, you know, and if this is going to take an extended amount of time, I wonder if they're going to split that six ways evenly, if they're going to do a chip count. Chop.
1: Uh, I, I, yeah. I think I think they'll play it eventually, whenever it comes back around, with, even if it's a year from now, and uh, the new uh, incarnation of that same well, listen,
2: tournament
0: <laughs> is I, I, again.
2: I don't want it to be the gloomy gus over here, but what happens if something happens to one of those players within that year frame, and uh, cannot attend that final table, and they were able to attend it that first, you know, the first year, this March, you know. I I don't think that they're going to be able to take this much longer than a few months before they're going to have to distribute that 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 prize money that's a lot of money like you said it could be life changing money
1: that's yeah, making some good interest for uh, the wpt
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway
2: uh savage
1: went on to say that you know he's as hopeful as anybody and just like all the major sports leagues and when they have to make their decision on when to come back and try to be as safe as possible for both the their, their players and their fans that there's something uh, with the antibodies and the different uh, vaccines really uh, comes sooner rather than later. And hopefully we don't have to wait until 2021 to get some of these things started again, but they're just like everybody else. They want to get going. And uh, some of these little baby steps that are happening in the poker world are, are going to be a good indication on whether we're going to be able to do this very soon.
2: Yeah. You know, and, and- we're obviously discussing all different types of scenarios here, but uh you know, I'd be ecstatic and I think most of the poker world would be ecstatic even if it did take a year for us to get back to you know, close to what we had prior to this and um you know, just look at it as and say twenty twenty, the year that wasn't in poker. So you yeah. know let's see what happens. Hey, we we didn't think the people could wait. How many years has it been now that uh, Black Friday hit? What was
1: that? Uh, well, it's uh, nine now. Nine,
2: nine yeah. years. Okay, and somehow we survived it. Uh, you know, so looking at it now, remember we were thinking, oh, six months, a year, people will go crazy. They they can Now it's been nine years. Guess what? If we have a WSOP main event like we've had for the last few years, but instead of twenty 2020, twenty 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 one let's uh we'll all be smiling and laughing and having a good time
1: yeah for sure
2: uh there are things going on uh not all the best for
1: american players because i can tell you that the world series of poker put together a super circuit online series and when they came out with a series this was amazing they talked about having hundreds of tournaments in this series there's actually 595 events and over $100 million in guarantees in this online series, which is played on GG Poker. Now, the only problem is GG Poker is not open to American players. So uh, These are all European uh, uh, Asian players and, and players from around the world, Canada and different places, but no, nobody from the United States
2: uh, is allowed to play on there. Well, that's been the case for nine years. <laughs> We're yeah. not allowed to play. we to play that. So, but nearly 600
1: tournaments, ranging the buy-ins ranging from 50 to hundred and two to 50 to 25,000, uh, fifty dollars to 25,000. So there's something for everybody. It started on May 3rd and it's going through May 31st. They played about five events. You could check all those re- results out on Poker News. Uh, they're giving some live write-ups. It's just something uh, to be missing for me. Um, when there's not a lot of big name players, or if there's a player, it might be a big name player, but they're using their alias and you don't know who they are.
0: Yeah, well,
2: <laughs> that's been the norm for a long time in, in, in internet poker. People just have to sniff them out. Well, what was the big one, uh, uh, Isildur or? Isildur,
1: Isildur the first, who actually was Victor Bloom.
2: There you go, and everybody was going crazy trying to figure out who he was. You know. Yeah. So.
1: Uh, they started things off with a uh, COVID charity event with a million-dollar guarantee and uh, a player called the Mad Queen. It was the victor for four hundred and twenty-five uh oh, no, I take that back – 1,595 entries in that one, and they had a $1,111 um, uh, entry fee and uh, – the $111 went directly to the Nevada community foundation's COVID-19 emergency response fund. So, uh, nice. so they, they raised a uh, close to $200,000 for that. And, uh, the total prize pool was 1.772 million.
2: Very nice. Very, very nice. And they raised, how much did they raise for?
1: It raised, uh, 175,000. Boris Becker was one of the players on that.
2: And, uh,
1: uh they've gone on now and they're playing like the fifth event but a lot of big name players are playing in this one and uh i've been looking at that a little bit uh, lately so um we'll see what happens uh 595 events you can't follow all of that but uh certainly uh we'll do what we can hey, let's take a break on the program when we come back we want to say a couple words about uh, one of the great legends of south florida don shula who passed away yesterday and uh, and, uh We will talk about that when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, finishing up here from South Florida. And, uh, you know, tough times, but we're getting through it. We're all in this together, and we hope you stay safe. Uh, We'll be back after these messages.
0: This is Poker Action Line.
1: The odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the play for free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the play for real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave and Joe, final segment of the program. I did want to touch briefly, uh, and I don't want to wait to the last second so we have a little time to talk of, about him, but uh, Don Shula, just a, a legend here in South Florida and uh, one of the greats, one of the greats of uh, the game of football. And uh, he passed away, of course, this week. And uh, uh, there was an article that I read on com. Dan Levitard, who, uh, you know, is a big star in radio now. I'm not uh, thrilled with all his stuff now, but he is a tremendous writer. And uh, I just wanted to read a quick sentence from this uh, where he talked about Shula. He said, uh, he was a pillar of virtuous excellence across the decades, so very dignified, nearly a smear on his integrity, seaside, uh, I'm sorry, uh, nearly a smear of his integrity, Uh, rugged and royal. He was part Army General, part Papal Majesty. He is the very first winner this region ever grew to love in sports, and he dies as its most enduring. So Don Shula, at the age of 90, passed away earlier this week. And, uh, you know, uh, let me bring in Joe Costello because, Joe, I know that you loved the the man as well and was a big part of your sports viewing life. Uh, What were your thoughts uh, on uh, him passing away this week?
3: Well, just uh, you know, sadness that it's it marks our own mortality. When Don Shula, the strong, the icon, the guy who delivered the perfect season, who made my parents happy, and every teacher that I came up through elementary school and middle school as a little boy, had uh, some sort of Don Shula something on the wall. Uh, Everyone down here prior to the Heat, the Marlins, uh, the Panthers, prior to anything else, there were the Dolphins. Not only did they win, they were perfect. And they did it in a way that screamed class and integrity every year, being the least penalized team. Shula always knew the rule book better than everybody else. Uh, they did it in multiple ways uh, with a running game for the early successes and then through the air during the Marino years. You mentioned Levitard. I heard him uh, talking about this. Can't help but think that uh, Levitard helped run Shula out of town for Jimmy Johnson.
0: Uh, He did give
3: a a mea culpa on it, but that's got to be a terrible feeling. They said that they squared it uh, later in life. But to think that Don Shula was still admired, respected. The game hadn't passed him by. He definitely had some issues. Um, But to get run out of your own town... In favor of Jimmy Johnson, who ultimately didn't do anything better than Shula, and then plunged the team into 20 years of darkness that we've recently experienced. That's a little sad. That's a sour note. But in the end, uh, Shula was golden. He was... Exactly what you'd aspire to be. And in this world where everyone is grimy and dirty and assumed to be a liar and corrupt and a cheater, which let's face it, that's kind of what most people feel about most people these days. A guy like Don Shula is almost alien to to people like, no, man, he was exactly what he said he was. He was a good, true-blue, honest, hard-working individual that delivered for the people that expected it. Uh, I'm going to miss him greatly, but I'm lucky to have to watch his life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of course, the winningest coach of all time, 327 wins, I guess, in the NFL, and of course the head coach of the perfect season in, two th- in uh, 1972, which they celebrate every year when the first when the final team loses its first game. Uh he did not die of coronavirus or have anything related to that which is nice to know. Uh and he's been uh, he's been aging uh it's been a rough time for him. He's been on uh, a lot of commercials and you could see him going downhill a little bit toward the end anyway.
3: He's 90 though. Like 90 yeah, is good. Right. Like, I'll take <laughs> 90. Joe will <laughs> take 90. You don't roll up hills that's for sure. Yes. I'll take I'll
1: take 70 at this point. <laughs> joe joe or rod what were your thoughts uh i know that well, you were a jets fan something. so you probably hated him for a uh, bunch of your life I'm,
2: listen as a jets fan you know the jets only super bowl win came against uh don shula but don shula was a man of integrity listening to some of the sports shows yesterday as i was coming home um and i know they had a bunch of different uh, players you know honoring his memory and telling stories and one that really stood out to me, and I wish I could give the player credit because I know Dick Anderson was on, and a couple other players, but I don't know who said this. But they were meant, you know, talking about his, you know, his integrity, and that he came in control of another team's playbook, and he returned the playbook. Wow! You know, without looking at it, and you know, the person goes, "Yeah, Belichick would have memory, <laughs> <laughs> would have burned that in his memory," you know. Um, Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: But it's it's true what you mentioned that Libertad said in there. You you sit back, and I was hearing his players talk about. Well, they complained about two days. Well, then he went to four days, and you know, he goes, "No, you better be sure that when Tula chewed your ass out, you know, you you were going to work." And it was all these older players, people who played for him throughout the years, saying that, "Hey, you know." He could probably still get away with being that type of coach today because of his integrity and because you know his his uh, how great a coach he was, you know that only certain men could do that, and he was a leader of men, he really was, and as Joe said, he was perfect uh, you know what? Yeah. no matter what you know he he was two and five in Florida two and six overall in super Bowls but he has carved a legacy. He was, he. I believe you said three twenty-seven. I heard that he won three forty-seven with. Playoff. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, playoff and Super Bowl with wins That's included, the Okay, a, a man who's, you know what, you know, Joe, you and I mean, Dave, you and I are both sixty years old. You know, I don't ever recall hearing a bad thing about this. Man. Never. Yeah, you
1: know, I don't know if he ever played poker, but I'm sure he never tried to look at someone else's cards.
2: Well, only two all I losing... know Is you know he he led men. He led them to championships. I love the fact that Dick Anderson, which I can credit Dick Anderson saying what he remembers, one of the things he remembers with Shula was right after they lost to Dallas in the first Super Bowl that they played in, he threw everybody out of the locker room both, and he said, remember this. Remember this pain. Remember this. He goes, because nobody remembers Super Bowl losers. And he goes, next year we're going to win every game. And Dick Anderson says, right, we took that all, like, okay, we're all going to compete in every game. But sure enough, the next year was their perfect year. So rest in peace, Don Shula. My condolences to, to his family and friends. It was a great man, and this town was very privileged and to have had him as, as, as their spokesperson.
3: And just a quick note, Joe. Like people don't realize the significance for the league, uh, because hadn't he uh, thrown that game to the Jets in that Super Bowl, the NFL might not have been what it is today. <laughs> so <laughs> look at it that way. Like Shula, you know, took a dive for you guys. Don't he worry about it until
2: though. Until that line got to twenty, and he says, "I'm throwing the damn game." So there you go
1: yeah so it, it touched all of us uh we saw a lot of interviews down here locally and in, in south florida dan marino was pretty broke up and uh you know it was been it's been a special time uh over the years and it, it's it's sad and, and like you say joe he dropped the sin is the loss of him really plunged the, the dolphins into a whole nother level of uh you know uh mediocrity for the over the years so We'll see what happens with two of at the helm, but, uh, you know, we can uh, – we know that Don did the job here and, until he was forced out uh, late in his career.
2: Well, listen, rest in peace, sir. Rest in peace. And to and be honest, Joe, being that I'm not a Dolphin fan, but I got to look at this with open eyes, I think the Dolphins have a hell of a coach on their hands because after the Dolphins opened up, uh, what was it, in their first four games – giving up 162 points to to 26 that they scored and then come back and win five out of nine games or something that was amazing and uh you know i hopefully hopefully Shula Brian Flores said that Shula was very happy that he had gotten the job so hopefully now the dolphins have someone that could take this team forward
1: yeah the uh, the Miami Herald uh, article uh, headline says steel jawed and iron-willed Coach Don Shula gave Miami so much to cheer about, and that uh, pretty much sums it up. Yes, sir. Well, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Uh, We uh, are trying something new here and putting the show together, and we hope to uh, expand on that in the future. We'll see what happens. A long way to go, of course, with that, but we will uh, be back with you next week. Uh, We did want to say hello to one of our uh, biggest fans out there in recent weeks, uh, the director of Poker Queens, Sandra Moore, who's been uh, uh, retweeting our posts and uh, sending out some likes for the show. Uh, We love the movie, and we hope you'll check that out as well. Go back and listen to that on one of our uh, archives, the uh, Poker Queen Show. And we hope you will uh, continue to follow us as we bring you guests over the coming weeks. Joe, thank you so much uh, for your uh, contributions. And Joe Costello, you as well, uh, certainly loved uh, this new way of doing the show. We'll see if it continues.
2: Uh, Let me see. Maybe next week uh, I'm, I'm missing our boy Gio a whole lot, you know. Maybe he could join us on, on this next next week. Joe, you've been doing a great job. <laughs> you know, we've been seeing, seeing Gio's face for years and years and years. You've given us the, the joy of enjoying your home to do the show in. But you know, we miss we miss Gio there. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm hoping about. that Gio and his family his son, <laughs> and are
3: all doing well. I don't know the I don't know the
1: details. Thanks. We'll guys. be back <laughs> next week with another show here on Poker Action Live.